So welcome to church, y'all. It is unreal to be back with you to preach. It's been two weeks. Um, first week of this series, Dale preached. I was celebrating with my family at home going and my grandmother. And then last week we had ICR here, which was such a blessing. And so, man, it's so good to be back with you guys. I have been preparing. I, I got to tell you, last week, sitting there and hearing the ICR group do their thing, I was just chomping at the bit to be back with y'all in the Word. And so, man, I, I could not be more excited uh, today to be back as we kind of go through the Scripture together. If you'll remember, Dale started with the early church. Acts chapter 2, verses 41, it starts talking about this group that after the disciples had kind of started the work of the church, they began to meet with each other daily. They began to break bread and devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They met each other's needs. They started to kind of make community something that mattered. And then out of that, God started adding to their number daily those from other churches everywhere else. Is that what it says? No, it says he began to add to their number daily those that were being saved. Because when the church starts to act like it's supposed to, people are drawn to it. They want to be around people that really look and act and smell like Jesus. It's just instinctive that when you and I start to become the church that Jesus has always called us to be, when that happens, people go, I think I may visit there. It seems like the people that show up there are kind of different. I mean, if we're being honest, we're kind of all judged by our bumper stickers, some of y'all have the name of your school, or maybe it's your particular athlete that you have on there. Like, it has a baseball on fire, and it says Johnny, number three. And so, instinctively, they think that your son is a baseball player. Yeah, y'all are with me. It's okay. Um, so, if there's that, okay, let's try another one. There's a volleyball on the back of your car, and it says Judith. Judith is a volleyball player. So what happens when we put a QC sticker on our cars? Because if we're being honest, probably most of our town really doesn't quite get what that is yet. Like they're starting to get there. Maybe they, they've kind of got to know you or maybe they came to a concert and saw that, that particular logo or something like that. But it should mean something better than just they're a member there. Because if that's the case, let's all put on our cars, millionaire. Because then it would mean that we were, and it would be a lie. Of course it would be a lie. But I mean, I think there's something in our culture that declares to people, as long as I put that on the back of my car, it must make it true. And it's just not the way it goes. If so, if, if we go by what our bumper stickers really say, Hillary would be in jail, our country would be great again, and your kid would be the best honor roll student around. None of which has really happened yet. So we can't just go by our bumper stickers, but we declare what we are every day really by our lives. I saw something I want to share it with you today. The first is, is not scissors, but I've got scissors in my pocket. I didn't run in here. I promise y'all, Mom, I, I didn't run. But it's this. I went and got one of these fabric rulers. 
I had to actually, I was with the boy, and it was me and the boy, and we walked into um, to a fabric store to get this. And it's one of those fabric rulers that goes for 120 and I got it for a reason. Here's why. There's a man in Japan that right now is 116 years old. Any of y'all want to join that age? Not I. Um, but that would mean on, on this ruler, he is this many years old right now. That is a long time. 116. But the CDC just released their findings for the year. And they declared that on average right now, we live as Americans to the age of 79. You may go, I'm already there. That's okay. You're awesome. You may be in this, but I'm cutting you off right now. Um, but they say as Americans, that's our average life expectancy, 79 years. Now, I want to just kind of give you some thoughts. As a par right now, as a church, we have all graduated high school on par. So let's go ahead and take that 18-year-old out. Sorry, students. Quit hanging on. I told you to fall away. Y'all always do that. Um, so 18 to 79. But here's the other thing. On par in Amarillo, we are college educated. Did you know if you look at our census, we are predominantly college educated. So that means let's just go to, let's say you're one of those students that studied extra far. Let's just, let's hit the 23 mark. We'll be generous to those of y'all that are really good students. See how far y'all fell quickly? You lose that high school mentality quickly. So then we get this. But here's the other thing. On par at Quell Creek, we are not on average really in the 20s. So let's go ahead and take the 20s out. Hey, 20-year-olds in the audience, we love you. Um, so we get down to this. So let's just say, on par, if we're really being honest, at Quell Creek, we're not really in our 30s either. So 30-year-olds, my brothers and sisters. Ah, okay. So then we're left with this. A short amount of time from 40 to 79 years. Mathematics and mathematicians in the room. How many years? Say what? Let's just give us 40. We'll be generous. I cut it a little bit far here. You make it a few months. So in 40 years time, we get to declare what we do with life. But here's the, the craziest thing. I just saw this the other day at the gas station when I was filling up taking the boy to uh, another like UIL event. We call it uh, ACSI event in Christian school world. It said that if you drink, that it takes time off of your life now. For those of y'all that always thought that it was good for your heart, it is. It's just not good for your liver. Um, so let's just go ahead and take one year off there because I think that's what they said. But then it also said that smoking can take two years off your life. So those of y'all that drink and smoke, there you went. Um, Ooh, this is not getting good. Did you know that if you have children that actually adds years to your life? Oh, man, this isn't going to be good. I didn't bring tape. Oh, anyways, y'all thought I was going to be like magic. <laughs> I 
But in a short amount of time, we have to live our lives in such a way that shows something matters. This gap in time, these moments that we have, these fleeting seconds and hours and minutes, years, we need to embrace and use the most of them. Last the last part of this series is Dale Ledoff. He talked about how we desperately have a need for a God that forgives our sin and leads our lives. And he encouraged you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do it now. Don't wait. Do it now. In fact, I'm going to give you a one-up. Are you ready? For those of y'all that just want to take a challenge, John Mickey. Would you do me a favor? Would you move to this front pew right over here? Yeah, just, just. So here's the thing. If in the middle of this sermon, you say, I desperately need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I need to do it not when an invitation happens and not when the pastor quits talking, but I need to do it now. There's something that just says, I've got to go right now. There's your pew. Come sit right next to John. Let him talk to you about Jesus. So as I preach, if God moves you, right there. There's you a spot. Maybe you need prayer. And right in the middle of the sermon, you're just like, man, I, I can't hold this in anymore. There's your pew right next to John. So are you ready? I mean, I, I don't want us to just keep playing church. I think at some point we really do have to get in this game because time is short. We can't just keep hoping that at some point the time is going to slow down. The older I get, the faster time gets. How about for you? Can you remember when a school year would start as a child? Some of you are like, I went to school. It's been too long to remember that. But y'all can remember, right, that how long summer became and when school started, how excited you were until you finally figured out they still give homework. And then you'd show up and then, the year seemed like it lasted forever, and then you'd sign yearbooks at the end of the year. You know, have a great summer. Signed, summer. You know, I, y'all remember this? And it was so awesome, and it was like the years just kind of flowed by. Now they just kind of slap you as they drive by. Whack! There went the year. And if you don't think this is true, any of y'all know what month we're in? We're in April! Where did January go? By the way, you know where January went? It dried up and rolled off. (laughs) Yeah, it just, and it finally rained. (laughs) That's right. You just, I'm telling you, y'all show up. So here we go. You ready? Y'all ready to dive into scripture? If we want to see the results of the early church, we got to start acting like it at some point. We can't hope that God will keep adding to our number those that are being saved if we're not going to act like a group that wants to see it. And so to get there, we're just going to walk down the path. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. These people that gathered together had Jesus at heart. And when Jesus takes over the heart of a group, they start to act like that thing that gave them their heart. It's what happens. So when a church catches the heartbeat of Jesus, they will get in rhythm with him. And so this is how we do it. Starts and ends with a relationship with Jesus. Because it will start one day with you accepting Jesus, and it will end one day when you see him. Because then it won't take faith. It will be right there in front of your face. So everything begins with a relationship with Jesus. 
It, that's how this works. If you want to know the equation to change your marriage, to change your business, to change your family, to change your outcome, to change everything, it begins with a relationship with Jesus. He shifts our life from being okay to extraordinary. Does it mean we'll face the world? It means that we'll run flat into it. Being a Christian is not an absence of the world. It is an engagement set between you and God for the world. We are not to stand by and watch the world end. We are to be the ones that engage it until Jesus calls time out. Until that time, the role of the church is not to sit by and become another news outlet. Our job is to be in the news. Our job is to be engaging the world. You know why? Because the world needs Jesus. And he left you to do it. He gave the church as his greatest force on the planet. In fact, he loved it so much that he called it his bride. God loves you so much that he didn't just call you an uncle or an aunt. He called you his bride. He is with you. And he sent you to engage the world. In every single possible riot or parade or engagement should be the church standing there passing out water. Should be the church high-fiving people saying, you know, Jesus loves you. Do you know that Jesus loves you? You know why? Because somebody's going to stop and say, yeah, right. And then you get to have that conversation instead of, God hates you. Look at my son. He tells you that. God hates you so much. He sent me to tell you. That's not what this early church did. And God added to their number daily those that were being saved. I desperately want to be a part of that, don't you? Don't you want to be a part of something that just oozes Jesus? I want to be a part of that. And so as we look at Scripture, look at Hebrews 10 with me today. Hebrews 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10, verse 19. All of this leading up is talking about a relationship with Jesus. Talks about how he loved us, how he made a covenant with us, that he never remembers our sin or our lawless acts. Even verse 18 says, Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. He talks about that God pushes away everything that would hold on to those in Christ. And then verse 19 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, this is salvation, by a new and living way he is open for us through the curtain that is his flesh, Jesus dying for us. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? He is faithful. Man, that is so good. And let us be concerned with one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me just ask you a quick question, church. You ready? Can anybody give me the date that Jesus is going to come back? Anybody? I mean, the 23rd, yeah. Praise God, I hope so. I mean, how bold would you have to be to, like, tell God when he's coming back? 
So let me just tell you, maybe it's now. Maybe it's at the end of this sentence. Oh, come on, Lord. But let me just tell you this. Until he shows up, we have a job to do. And that means this. We don't wait until that day. We act today as this is the last day. Because we don't know what the next day is going to be. We don't know when the next hour is going to come and the sky is going to open up. But I can tell you this for sure. At Quell Creek, we're going to become a church that's busy. And not just busy for the sake of busyness. We're going to become a church that shows up in the lives of people, even those we don't like. You know why? For God so loved the world. If he just died for the people we liked, I could promise you, you wouldn't be on his list. You know why? Because none of us has it together. In fact, Scripture tells us there is none that do right. Not one of us would make the list of Jesus' approved lenders. Not one of us would have the resume enough for God to love us enough. It's only by his grace and mercy that today you walked into a sanctuary in the United States in Amarillo, Texas, and get to lift his name up. I'm telling you, you are blessed. And because of that, we are called to do something drastic. And that drastic move is this. Love like today is the last day. Love like today is it. Love like at the end of today, Jesus is coming back. Listen, I want to be found doing what he wants me to do when that clock ends. How about you? When that day draws near, when it finally happens, I want to be found that moment doing what he's called me to do. But if you're like me, you're probably going to be found like I am, acting like an idiot. Now, listen, we can change this story. You know how? Depend upon him and do things he's called us to do. So let's look at the scripture. Therefore, brothers, since we've gained this access through a holy priest who has ripped the curtain open, we are no longer separated from God, but we have entrance to God through Jesus. His blood and his body has now cleansed us in our body in him so that we might have entrance before him. And this is what it says to do. Since we have all of this, verse 21 says, verse 22 gives us, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean. There comes a point where you and I need a, a, a change in our very DNA. We need a movement away from our ordinary into an extraordinary. And the only way that happens is through Jesus. It all starts with what? A relationship with Jesus. But then we get a new concern. We want to mature. Paul warns the church. He's like, man, some of y'all should be off spiritual milk by now. You should be teachers. You should be leading. You should be doing amazing things. You should be eating meat. But man, you just keep going back to this elementary stage of Christianity. And maybe that's where you found yourself today. Maybe if you're really looking in that mirror of spiritual walk, you would say, I really should be different than this. I should be doing different things. I should have a new mindset. Because Jesus' followers changed their concern. They're, the followers of Jesus take their minds off of themselves and they put them on Jesus. And what happens is in return, he gives them the mind of Christ. Who looks around at the world and says, where can I engage someone? Where is somebody that's hurting? Where is somebody that's naked and hungry and homeless and widowed and fatherless? Where are these people? 
Because that's my calling, because that's what Jesus called me to do. And if we're not actively pursuing that, we don't have the heart of Jesus. This is the hardship of the Christian faith, is that a lot of us want his name, but not his actions. We're more than willing to take his stuff, but not his name. I mean, we, it's like we want Jesus in marriage for a season so that we can divorce him and take his house. But Jesus is a faithful friend. He is a deep lover of souls, and he doesn't give up. He pursues. He pursues you day in and day out. He loves you passionately. He loves you with an everlasting love. He desires you so deeply that he sent his absolute best. He sent Jesus. He could have sent an angel, and it would have been enough for him. God is God, right? Scripture could have changed, right? But that's not what he sent. He sent his best. He sent Jesus, the name that is now above every name. Jesus sent, was sent for you not so that you would just go, well, somebody died for me, but that someone lived the way I should. And so it wasn't just a moment of salvation. It's a lifestyle of obedience that you and I would be brokenhearted when we see a hurting world and don't engage it. It makes a Christian go, I want to act like Jesus because he's in my life. That's the desire of a Christian, is that we start to exemplify the things that he exemplified. We have to, at some point, open our lives to other people. So this is what the church does. They open their lives to other people, and they make worship a priority, they open their lives to other people and they make worship a priority. This is why at the church we say Christians should be around other growing Christians. But can I just tell you something? If we call ourselves Christians, there's a fruit that should be growing. And if you're around a Christian that says, I'm a follower of Christ, but they're not pursuing the life that Jesus lived, they're not after his heart. We need to be around people that are contagious for Jesus. You know why? We want to be. And so it's yoking ourselves next to another Christian and saying, I want to pursue Jesus. And them saying, me too, let's go. So we went on vacation not too long ago. It was a, maybe a year ago or so. And uh, we went to our default city of Branson because we love it. And we went to the water park there, which we've never done. And my daughter and I decide that we're going to be brave and go ride this one slide. It's the kind that you get into the chute and it closes and there's a, a trap door below you. Man, I, I grew up watching Looney Tunes. And I know how these things work. It opens, you look, you say help in the little thought window, and then you drop, right? Or you start running about 100 yards out and then realize there's no ground beneath you, and then you drop. I know how this works. Yes, come on up. Yes. Amen. 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 So we get in this, this slipping slide, water slide thing, and, and my daughter and I are across from one another. And they close us up, and there's this teenager working it. 
an agent of the enemy. And he's saying this little thing, and he goes, are y'all ready? Right? He looks at us, and he goes, three, two. Opens up. As the trap door opens, my body slides through, and it hits me in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, punk. Anyways, so I slide down the bottom of the slide. And I don't know if you've been on a slide in a while, but everywhere it's joined together is a chance for your spine to realign. Like, like the slide is reading Braille on me. And I get to the bottom, and I come out the bottom, and I'm like, <gasps> trying to get your breath. Pick my head up, and I'm like, oh, that hurt. And then my daughter slides in, and she goes, that thing hit me as I was coming down. I was like, oh, really? Because I'm not even sure what your name is. It hit me so hard. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and we're like, wow, that, that just happened. So we go over to the family. You know, April and the boy are on the other side, and we walk, and we go, man, we just did that slide. It was awesome. We're not going to tell him. It, it, I'm, I don't know where I am anymore because it hit me so hard. And the boy goes, well, I'll ride it. Now, as a dad, my job is to go, what? Let's go. Let's go. You know what I did? I don't know these children. Y'all go. I'll wait. I watch them walk up to the heights. You know, Tower of Babel is just a little bit higher, I think, as these slides were. They climb up, and they, they get in the chute. I can see them, and they goes, whew, like flushing them down. And I'm like, where'd they go? And they come out the bottom, and no one goes, man, that thing hit me right in the head. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, Amazing. Didn't know that happened. How weird. How un, un, unreal. You know what didn't happen? Someone that's been through it didn't give my son the information. And so you know what he faced? His head being hit by the trap door. That's why we need other growing Christians in our lives. Because there are trap doors that we've been hit by time and time and time again. And we need brothers and sisters to go, hey, no, wrong slide. Don't do it. Not fun. I can promise you it looks fun at the bottom. The top is going to knock your head off. And we go, oh, never mind then. Hey, junior high kid that's running this now, never mind. Like, we need that in our world. And the scriptures tell us we have to have it. That's what the early church got that we miss. We desperately need each other. We need each other because there's a truth from the word of God that we miss sometimes that someone needs to go before you move. This is what the scripture says. I think you're missing this. And we need to go, ah, oh, trap door. Trap door. I need help. And so we need each other. They open their lives to other people in the next as they make worship a priority. It becomes a priority for their lives. So there's this moment Henry Ford has put before a group of people. And they're asking him about how, how things go in, in Ford world. And he says, listen, I can give you everything about how our, our system works. I can do all that, but I'll, I'll just tell you, the secret to Ford is this. Coming together is a beginning. I mean, we can get people together. That's a start. Staying together is, a, is progress. We, we can maybe keep them together for a season. But working together is success. If I can get them to launch together and hang on to one another, they can weather every storm that comes. The question I have for you is this. If solo faith is where you think it's found, you don't read the Bible. 
The Bible calls us to do life together. You and I are called to do our Christian experience together, and here's why. It brings people towards the gospel. It would be better to see a string of cars all with the same bumper sticker driving towards a wildfire to put it out than to see three driving towards a, an illegitimate place. You got to know the world is waiting for the church to arrive and it's burning. If you don't get it, watch the news in the morning for 10 seconds. Our world is on fire and God is sending his church to change it. Don't you feel it? Don't you see it? Are we not broken by the fact that our world is broken? Are we not broken by the fact that our world is hurting? Are we not broken by the fact that even in Amarillo, Texas, there are people today that will go to bed without a food on their table. They'll go to bed without a father and mother. They'll go to bed without anybody meeting their needs. Does that not bother us? Because if it does, let's show up. It's not enough to preach about it. It's not enough to learn about it. It's time to be about it. That is the role of the church. And if we want to see people led to Jesus, we have to start acting like the church. And as the church, we have to start acting like Jesus. The world's waiting. They're just waiting. And so today, the last thing I can tell you is this, an encouraging faith. And encouraging faith is found in these two things, a true faith and in family. It's someone to come alongside you and say, keep going. Don't stop now. There are some of you that have taken a challenge, and that's this, that from now until Easter, you would be consumed with time with God in your prayer life, in your time in the scriptures, and in your fellowship with him through church and other things. And don't stop now. Don't let this be the moment to give in. Keep going because I want to tell you something. There is a God that loves you desperately and today he says to you, keep going. You can do this with his help and you should. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we need each other but God we realize that when we get together for our own purposes we're going to miss the mark. Lord how we need you. Lord, we need you to move in our lives. God, we need you to speak over our hearts. And God, we pray that today, Lord, that you would move in this place. God, as you call us to keep responding, God, we ask that you would move in our lives. Lord, we have such a short amount of time. Life is but a breath, Scripture tells us. Here one day, gone the next. But God, you are awesome. You desire to move in our lives. So God, move. Start with me. Start with the people in this room. God, call us to your heart. Lead us, Lord, to do the things you've called us to do. God, make us ambassadors for your heart today. Lord, gather us together with other Christians. And God, send us, Lord. Send us to the work you've called us to do. Help us to love deeply, God. Help us to reach a world that needs you, God. Not because we want to be made known, but so that your name may be known. So move, Lord. Speak over our hearts, God. Lord, we praise you for the work you've already done and what you will do, God, because you're changing us. So move in our lives, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.